Good morning, good day to whatever time zone you're listening at. Good morning, <laughs> good evening, good afternoon. Uh, this is April Nouveau with the Everything Considered podcast, and I have a very special guest today, Tim O'Davis. Welcome, Tim. Hi, April. It's nice to see you. It's really nice to see you, too. I'm very excited uh, to talk to you about uh, your journey and your work and um, all that you do for, for the community. Um, so first of all, Tim, could you tell us a little bit about um, your journey with the Temple of the Universe? I'd be very, our audience would be very interested to learn about that. Okay, sweet, thank you. And, and it's an honor to be here and I'm really, thank you. It's a gracious offer My to get pleasure. to be on your podcast. Thank you. So I'm, I'm gonna broaden the question a little bit because I had an experience when I was a kid that I, really shaped me. Okay. And I grew up in Vermont, you know, I'm, I'm 63. I grew up in Vermont in the sixties. And at some point, I think I was 11, 12 years old. I had a, a small tumor in my chest. Right. And mm. I'm a country boy. Like our high school was tiny, like 200 kids in our like junior high and high school combined for three towns. So there, it wasn't a sophisticated situation. I hadn't had a lot of life experience, but I go into this surgery and I, um, had a near-death experience or an out-of-body experience as a young, as a boy. Mm -hmm. And long story short, when they put the, the, the mask over my face to give me the, you know, the sedative or whatever, and, and I left my body, like consciousness just left my body. And I guess mm -hmm. my point is I had no idea this was even a thing. I'd never heard of it. I didn't know right. that this was even possible. And I went up the corner of the room and I looked down on myself getting operated on. I went down this tunnel and it was amazing. And the point of this is that that experience really made me, I don't know, relax a little bit with like the whole idea of dying and living and, mm -hmm. and just, um, it gave me a sense of all this energy that was out there that we didn't really understand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody's got a different way of interpreting these kinds of events, but in, in that stage of my life and that for, for the background that I had, it was incredibly powerful. And it didn't change me per se, but it just opened my consciousness to a way of seeing the world. Yes. So now that I flash forward from being 11 years old to uh, being 30 and, and my wife and I had just gotten married and, and we were living in Gainesville, Florida, and somebody suggested that we check out this place called the Temple of the Universe. Now, this is back in 92, I think, 91, mm -hmm. 92. And it was not what it is now. You know, like every, a lot of people are familiar with the Untethered Soul and Michael A. Singer, and he's been on mm -hmm. Oprah. But back then it was just a little cabin basically yeah. in the woods where a few people you know gathered every day but when i uh, walked in um i can remember really distinctly walking into the temple space and, and mickey was on the steps and anybody's been to the temple there's like a little porch outside mm -hmm. and i remember looking at him and feeling like oh my god it's kind of scared me because it felt like this guy could look right through me right and just cool. see everything yeah and then i had this sense of relaxing because i you know i felt like he wasn't judging me. So it was going to be cool. Mm -hmm. And so I went in and I just love the teachings. And, and I, so the, the point of all this is I had no idea there was anything like yoga or right. you know, Hindu saints or Buddhism or any of that stuff. I'd had a Christian experience that went fair, but it, it I found it not, it didn't, yeah. didn't satisfy everything I needed. Right. And we'll talk about that some more, but so the, I started listening to these teachings and, you know, it's not just Mickey's an amazing teacher, but it's a heritage. It's a history of, of Yogananda and Muktananda and um, St. John of the Cross and like all these great saints and sages from just 
thousands of years. Mm -hmm. That's what I found in Mickey's teachings. So he's brilliant in how he delivers them, but there's there's a history and there's a tradition and there's a depth of what he teaches that has been around for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And that's what brought me to the temple. My wife and I came and I think from that previous experience of when I was a kid, it just, everything aligned. And, and mm -hmm. I felt like I was at home. I can just remember that feeling of, wow, there's a real spiritual sense here of people just seeking God in a really beautiful way, mm -hmm. sincerely with de deep depth and sincerity, ready to change themselves instead of asking other people to change around them to be happy. So I yes. was incredibly blessed to get to uh, kind of step into that. And my wife and I've lived here now for more than 30 years. So it's, it's been wow. quite a cool thing. Yeah. I think a lot of people aren't aware. Like I know of the book, I've read the book and I loved the book, but I didn't know a whole lot about his that he continues to teach or was teaching i think that's that's something a lot of people will be very interested in and that it you know when you were talking about your nde i had one too and the difference that i felt it's one thing believing something it's another thing knowing it you know mm. so when you really ex you actually have that experience i think that's what we're all looking for is you know an experience the ch like you said the change is on the inside not out outside behavior modification as opposed to you know real deep sh a shift on the inside of a person mm. so i i love that you shared about that because i think that really encourages people because i think people are afraid not of um they're afraid of the unknown i mean that's that's they don't know and it's it's frightening to them but to know to have that experience and to really know what that you were safe in that experience is uh, a beautiful message to, to share with our audience today. So thank you. Know, you know, it, oh, absolutely. It's, it's such a powerful difference to live with, with, without fear. Okay. Yes. And, and, and like, I, I have tons of shit and fear, like cooking up inside all the time I work on it, but right. that core fear of like what happens at the end of life and mm -hmm. not making that like surrendering into that, right? It's inevitable. So yeah. why be thrown off by it? Why let that negatively affect one's energy? Why would you do that, right? Right. And I think that's perhaps the biggest and most profound impact that it had on me was that I've got some years to live. It's going to end at some point. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, it'll be fine. Like yeah. it's not going to be a punishment and it's not going to be some horrible thing. It's just what everybody goes through literally hundred yeah. percent of everybody who's ever been alive. So yes. let's, let's, you know, go, let's just do everything up to then use that time between birth and death with as much enthusiasm and spirit as possible and, and make the most out of it. Well, this. that's really living, isn't it? I mean, fear, you know, I think prevents us from really fully, fully getting every ounce of beauty out of this lifetime. And so that's really when we can kind of recognize we're it's safe. We're safe. Hmm. We're safe. You know, that is a, it, the death. Or I don't, I don't even like to use that word. Cause to me, it's just kind of another, you know, it's just yeah, it's another graduation. kind of reality, you know, <laughs> and it's safe. Right. And I just love that. It feels um, like graduation to me. It, yeah, exactly. It's just like, yeah. all right, I got through this one. <laughs> Off to the next, next, let's one. do it again. Yeah. So, um, community you met I I was kind of going through your website and you mentioned uh community and I, I want to hear about 
in your opinion, how important is community to spiritual uh, development? It's huge. And I'm, yeah. you know, and again, my opinion, or you can look at the, you know, the Buddhist teachings, like that's one of the three arms of, of the power of Buddhism is that you've got this community, a Sangha, right? Yes. And so that's, that's what I ran into at the temple that I wasn't expecting, right? Mm. There's kind of, a, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at spirituality, religion that have been expressed throughout the years. And some of it is like hardcore discipline, right? Mm -hmm. Thou shalt, thou shalt not, blah, 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 all that right. stuff. But the beauty of having a team of people that you actively engage in spiritual discovery, it creates a pattern, right? Like, as we all are aware, you know, we've been conditioned throughout our lives by our family and by society. Mm -hmm. This just puts a layer of conditioning that's really healthy into your system. So community, the right community can really create a platform or a foundation for growth. And that's so rare these days. And, and yeah. so at the Temple of the Universe, we do every morning, there's a 6.40 a.m. Um, session where we meditate and we do something called the Shri Atma Gita. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a Hindu song about Arjuna and Krishna. And it's a beautiful metaphor for living your day, right? right. And then every evening we do some kind of a program. So those bookends, right? It's, it's a lot of what we try to do when we set up a meditation routine or set up any kind of spiritual discipline or routine. Mm -hmm. It's to create a moment at the beginning of the day and the end of the day where we really drill into what's important. Who do I really want to be as mm -hmm. I grow and evolve in life right. and not get stuck in social media and the Kardashians and the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, you know, like, just like to scrape all that aside. There's room for that later. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the beginning, it should be, okay, what am I doing here? You know, and it goes back to, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to, right. through spiritual growth, increase my opportunity to be happy, be mm -hmm. satisfied with myself and thus be prepared to have energy for service to help other people. Right. So community is a great tool for doing that. And there's so little of that around. So, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, part of what we'll talk about later is I'm trying to create some opportunity for that in some different ways. And, and you know, we, we get, we're going to find community one way or another, but getting the highest, best version of that with people who have shared values that are really healthy and productive. It's, it's, it's life. I mean, it's obviously it's life-changing. Yeah, it's hard to live on an island, you know, yeah. an island. And there's so much in our culture and our society that really feeds that aloneness. You know, you, you know, you don't have to go outside of your, your front door to be entertained. You can, you can sit on a couch by yourself, you know, and uh, social media, I think, is a is a big culprit in that because people lose connection with one another, and I think that connection, like you said, is imperative for growth. Also, support, right? Like having someone, you know, help you to maintain those disciplines because it's hard to do it all by yourself. It really is, and we're so starved, like you said, for some sense of validation mm -hmm. to be heard. Yeah, and social media is just like such a cheap shortcut it's like yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. all kinds of metaphorical ways you could describe it like you know it's like the difference between having a real companionship and you know some experience that's cheap or or easy or whatever but yeah it's it's no wonder that people flock to social media because we need that 
but yeah. yet it's 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 addictive and it's not really set up for our benefit it's a marketing tool and you know if we take it as with the understanding it's a marketing tool then we can work in a proper relationship with it right not let it replace what's really helpful and really valid and what really supports us yeah real connection real connection yeah absolutely yeah i think it's important like you said to really understand the nature of it and how it works and that it is a marketing tool and we are kind of the you know it's it we're kind of the the consumers of of it without really even understanding that a lot of times so real connection is very important putting that phone down uh, yeah. looking in, in another person's eyes and speaking to them on a human level i think is just so crucial and I, I do feel like we're starting to understand that and move back in that direction. And it's just beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I, I really, I'm a, I love, um, I love the idea of churches, even if like mm -hmm. we don't always agree with everything, just the, um, the give and take of, of going to a place on a regular basis and seeing other people who are at least trying, you know, trying to find yeah. something. There's yeah. real value in that. And and when you think about the concept, go again back to Buddhism, but the concept of a, a monastery is that you've got all these people kind of herded into mm -hmm. a confined space and the same life patterns. And you know, you run in like it sounds glorious to live on a on an ashram. The temple is an ashram, right. but it's also very growthful because it does require you to have human interactions and it does mm -hmm. require you to see your own energies in relative. To other people's energies and to work with your own energies as to try to grow and get better so that's no matter where you are the people who piss you off are the ones who are <laughs> your best advocates i right? agree it's, i agree with that i think they're they serve as such amazing teachers and mirrors to us and uh yeah i, I don't think that can be understated i've um you know i, I the idea of being in a sangha like i think the misconception is is you're going to be off, you know, by yourself meditating in the woods or something, <laughs> but it's the everyday, you know, cooking next to each other, uh, checking in with each other, you know, uh, yeah. cleaning, you know, all those little things that really build um, spirit or fuel spiritual growth, right? Yeah. If there's a metaphor about a, um, a sangha being like putting a bunch of pebbles in a bag for a long period of time. And you put them in and then, you know, 30 years later, you take them out and they've been like banging around against each other and running into each other and they're all smooth and beautiful. And yeah. that's, that's kind of what it feels like. That's and, really wonderful <laughs> <laughs> and, and challenging, but, but wonderful and challenging in a wonderful way. Well, it is. And I think, you know, that's another aspect that of that, we, I talked a little bit about conditioning before mm -hmm. and when you're in a group and you watch other people go through their growth, you soon realize that there are moments of depression and darkness and fear and anxiety in everybody's life. It's without having those moments, that's where the blockages get cleared. It's, it takes mm -hmm. pain to drive out the unhealthy conditioning that we've, we've gotten. What, what's been suppressed with pain comes up with pain. Mm -hmm. And so in a Sangha, you get to experience what it's like to watch other people go through that. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of teachings about, you know, whether it's Christ or the Buddha or even mm -hmm. saints that just don't let go of the robe, right? Like whatever path you've picked, stay with it through mm -hmm. the hard parts because it's not supposed to be easy. And, right. and it's a beautiful thing to be in a situation with community where you get to see other people go through that because 
half the problem is just getting to a point of pain and it doesn't feel like it's appropriate. And there are times when it is inappropriate and it's unhealthy, but many of the time our inner work is defined by the, by that, Mm-hmm. that born again feeling that the Christians talk about, right? Dying to right. be reborn. It feels like that. The ego. Dying to yourself. Exactly. That's yes. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So suffering has a role uh, until it doesn't, I guess. But yeah. I, it, yeah. I kind of like what the Buddhists say about that. They say pain is okay, but suffering is when it you're letting it kind of hang around. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I attach <laughs> attachment to those old ideas of thinking and believing and about ourselves in the world as opposed to really just kind of letting those concepts go and learning about yourself, you know. Yeah. I love that Rumi quote about, you know, when I was when I was young, I wanted to change the world or when I was clever, I wanted to change the world. Now I'm wise and I'm changing, changing myself. myself. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a yeah. huge huge Rumi fan and all the mystic poets. Yes. Very beautiful. So what does it mean to be in alignment with oneself? Like, what does that mean about, you know, I I've seen the word alignment a lot and I'm curious about what that means from your perspective. In all the spiritual teachings that I've ever found, talk about how like the spiritual path isn't defined by adding or a acquiring skills or talents or abilities, but it's about peeling away the blockages Mm -hmm. that prevent you from experiencing that. Oh, wow. Okay. So pure consciousness, pure awareness is in perfect alignment Mm -hmm. because whatever, by whatever name you use for God or however, you know, physics equation you put around that entity that's made all this. Yeah. Our consciousness, our awareness is where we meet that space. It's where prayers happen. It's where, you know, when we meditate, mm-hmm. we're going to that place of non-judgmental awareness. There's no sense of good or bad, or it's even deeper than language. Like, you know, the deepest part of you doesn't need English to understand things or Spanish right. or French. So alignment is about building the habits to help you feel that space mm. and it's it take it's a practice right which is why we have practices that takes an a, a daily effort and works like learning a musical instrument or learning a sport mm-hmm. and that work is how you find alignment okay because as you meditate and you start to see the ego it starts the ego will become really apparent at some point and it's gradual and it takes a long time but as you go past the ego and past the unhealthy conditioning and past, it's almost like you're just going deeper and deeper and deeper into your being to find this, this place, then, then that's where alignment happens. So mm-hmm. finding alignment is really about getting to know yourself. Just like you said earlier, like that really depth of, of knowing oneself, of being mm-hmm. patient with oneself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a challenge to learn how to appreciate yourself and love yourself but it's worth the work. It's really hard. We put other people in control of our lives because we seek approval from other people. And we've Mm. been trained to do that. We've been trained to not express ourselves and just like change our behavior. So dominant people or whomever work, whatever 
has control. So alignment is about finding your own truth. And it doesn't even mean that you have to even change how you treat people or act in a workplace or act with your relationships. Mm -hmm. But that place will change your behavior subtly and slowly. Mm -hmm. You can't just sort of, it's difficult to make those changes with your mind consciously. Alignment is finding that quiet space inside so that mm -hmm. you have a reference point to hear your own truth in a really deep way. And some religions would call that finding God, and some religions would call that finding the void, finding, you know, yeah. that that place where we are all one, right? Right. But it's there's a lot of names for it, but it's an experience, just like you said earlier. That's an experience. It's not knowledge it's it's a thing and the only way to get that experience is to do the practices and the practices mm -hmm. of working with yourself saying mindful they bring you into that alignment so it's not like there's a lever or a knob that you twist or control to get to alignment it's about shedding all the fallacy and the unhealthy conditioning and the, the crap and getting quiet inside and just like yeah. being being ready to work with that, but there's a lot of shit to work through. You know, it's not a clean yeah. trip in there. It's, it's, you know, it's like you're digging through your stuff and doing that with, with gratitude and enthusiasm is the challenge, right? It, yeah, certainly can be. And I think, you know, as you, the mind, as you said, is sometimes is the biggest hurdle. Cause I, a lot of people think about having a meditation practice and they get really caught up in Oh, I, I'm doing it wrong. Like, you know, like they're, <laughs> <know>. you know, <laughs> this, this isn't right. I'm not doing it right. And then they end up just kind of throwing it out the window because, you know, they, they didn't feel like they were doing it right. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, so across all the different faith groups and religions and, you know, back to the Stoics, right? Mm -hmm. Thousands of teachers have taught how to meditate. There's literally thousands of ways to meditate. And right. you know, on the planet, there's almost 9 billion people right now, right? Yeah. So, you know, run that out for thousands of years. And then we've got just how many people have said they know how to meditate. Right. I, I think it's like I do a meditation, um, open meditation every guided meditation every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern. And we'll okay. talk about that too. Great. But the thing I, I try to do is there's really basic breathing. And just get the breathing down and then just do it. There's no such thing as a bad meditation as long as you're always trying to focus the thought mind and like all the thinking that's going on and just bring it back to your breath or bring it back to your mantra. But just learning how to direct your mind is the beginning of mindfulness. And mindfulness is a game changer. Like, and, and mm. it's kind of an overuse. It's, it's become kind of a cliche. Like it's a word yeah. that gets, it's a, it's a marketing word, but mm -hmm. in reality, it's that space where you're in that conscious place we talked about earlier and you're seeing your human go through human shit mm -hmm. and you're loving it and you're giving it space. And, but then maybe you quiet it down a little bit and it tends to limit mistakes and, and limit bad behavior and right. open the door. It sort of raises the floor, so to speak, of behavior and also push the ceiling up. But it's that consciousness. So when you talk about meditation, it's just that moment where you go from, oh shit, I'm thinking about paying taxes <laughs> and you bring it back to the breath. That's yeah. that's where meditation 
is fail fail safe that that's just right. do that just do that that's like the one thing and everybody's got a technique and a way of doing it and a ritual and a routine it's all beautiful just pick one and do it <laughs> that's awesome so it's about observing not judging because i think that's the you know the conditioning you'd you'd spoken about before how we're kind of conditioned and we kind of give away our power and we kind of not so much our power but like how, we we become influenced heavily by our culture, you know, yeah. by all these different things that want to somehow convince us that their way is right. But what the from how you're describing it sounds like to me, it's just all very organic and that you just become the observer of the thought as opposed to judging it or getting involved in the in the dialogue. There, yeah, there's a real power in that, April, that when you so I'll, I'm going to create a really quick model that when we have things stuck in our subconscious that bother us or that, you know, points of contention inside us, points of friction, whatever, they register as, as, a, as an emotion first, as a fear or an energy, right? Mm -hmm. That's why there are chakras, right? Because each chakra has its sort of range of things that we like to be either distracted by or afraid mm -hmm. of or trying to do. So when we feel that energy, right, and we feel those emotions, they're going to turn into thoughts and it can become this experience that I had with my mother back when I was 12 and this experience I had with this girlfriend when I was, you know, 17. It's too slow to let all that go when you're going incident by incident, memory by memory. Mm -hmm. Mindfulness in this work we're talking about is kind of catching it at the emotion level, the energy level. And then you breathe and you relax and you can let go of blockages kind of almost in bulk, right? You can do like a bulk release. Love it. So you don't have to spend your whole life just like breaking down every little moment and every little thing. Mm -hmm. It's too slow. Now there's obviously traumas that are, they're huge and you're mm -hmm. there. It's human to defend yourself, to try to protect yourself from those things. And they need a lot of work and the help of a therapist to really break those down and unpack them and to release them. I'm don't not undervaluing that at all, mm -hmm. but there are, a, there are a ton of things in there that can be just let go kind of in bulk, mm -hmm. but it's not easy. It just takes breathing and relaxing and it hurts when they come up and there's tears and there's pain. And yeah, but that space of non-judgmental awareness that you just mentioned, you get to see those things go without sort of creating guilt about yourself or mm -hmm. regret or or anxiety or just it takes work but there's no other work worth doing <laughs> right we are very hard on ourselves aren't we yeah yeah, yeah. and really working at the root can help with that but it just like you said you know being patient with oneself is really important because mm -hmm. it's, it's not easy being a human you know <laughs> it's, it's not it's why there's so much alcoholism and drug abuse and sex addiction, all these things. Internet addiction is because we're just trying to distract ourselves from the uncomfortableness. But yeah. it's yet it's that uncomfortableness when we work through it that we find real freedom and peace. And that takes us back to knowing ourselves in that really deep way that distractions are they don't give us clarity about who we really are. Right. They're fine. Like I love a good meal and I love I look at the sure. internet, I do the whole thing. I love football, I love sports, but I like to do it with awareness, right? When I sit down mm -hmm. to watch a football game, I love the Florida Gators, right? I'm in Gainesville. <laughs> when I sit down to watch them, I literally will set an intention. Like 
look, you know, I graduated from this school back when I, before I did any of this work and there's an emotional tie to this and I try to work with it. I literally watch football, watching my energies get weird and releasing and relaxing. And I don't, football is not bad because it does that, but it's just another chance to let go. Right. So it's, it's a space to work in. So anything can kind of be a spiritual tool when you have, when you wrap it Everything. up awareness. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Like one of the things that I, um, I, I enjoy is that, you know, the, one of the things that I really love about Mickey at first was that, that attracted me to him was he was a hardworking, successful man. Right. And I, and when I met him, he didn't, you know, he had, hadn't risen in the business world as far, you know, th that he came to. Mm -hmm. So I, I met him kind of early on and I could see how important it was for him to, to work, to, to provide value to the world through the, whatever mechanism it was that pays us, right. you know, paid him. And there's, I found that to be incredibly helpful. There's so much growth, like everything is growth. And I see business people, like they are so willing to put themselves into the world and change and, and adapt to the changing conditions. Like you start with a business plan and you evolve through it and you evolve through it and, and it can make you change. And there's no room for ego in that. There's no room. You've got to really surrender to the reality, the economy, what people mm -hmm. want, that there's a lot of the Venn diagram overlaps a lot there. And that business is an amazing way to grow if you approach it from the right viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Problem is so many people do it from ego. They want like that number attached to their name of how much their net worth is. And they think that's going to provide them with, you know, some sense of validation. And it, it really doesn't, it is a nothing. There's nothing yeah. sadder than somebody who's worked all their life to be successful and then get there and realize the hollowness of that kind of success. Well, yeah. But, but once it's tied into your spiritual growth, then it changes the whole nature of what you're trying to do with a business and <laughs> your, your act of service as an employer. And just to kind of go back, one of the things that um, that I the, one of the first things that I got from Mickey when I first started going to the temple, and I was entering my career field at that point was the value of having a boss that didn't run you through fear, right? Mm. That didn't try to manipulate your performance wow. using yeah. fear. Yeah, and it made me just to the best I could, and I wasn't you know always great at it, but just to try to be a good boss, right? That try to encourage growth and to try to use enthusiasm as a way to expand one's abilities and talents and grow for your own sake, not because of the company, right? Mm -hmm. And I got that, you know, from, from doing this work. And it was, it was really life-changing to feel that because it, it helped me to keep a good perspective about what fear really is and how to avoid the burnout of running oneself through fear, motivating oneself through fear. Wow. Or that grief. is a paradigm shift, <sighs> huge paradigm shift. And you don't have to live in an ashram to do it. You know, you nope. don't, you don't have <laughs> to, I mean, you could be an airline employee or a cook somewhere and you could work, you could do this work in that context. I, I just find that amazing. So, you know, I think this leads nicely into this next cut topic and your work with the incarcerated. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So um, I was in a state about two years ago of kind of having some time, semi-retirement, but not mm -hmm. really. It was a kind of between like in that sort of last stage of life. What am I going to do with my, like my remaining, however long I have. And I had time and I had seen Mickey 
Michael A. Singer Mickey used to do um, prison work and he referenced it a lot. And I could see that it really had a profound impact on how he grew and how it changed him. Even as he, he, as the teacher going into prisons, as the teacher, it changed him. Excuse me. <clears throat> so I wanted to have that experience. Mm -hmm. And um, through the help of a guy named Tim Bryant, who's got his own prison service called, um, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> called One Love Prison Meditation Project. He really helped me to kind of get like my, my bearings. He kind of trained me what it's like to go into prison and how to get like the clearances and do all that. And then at the beginning of uh, 2022, I started working in Lancaster Correctional Institute here in Trenton, Florida, which is about 40 minutes away from, from Gainesville. Mm -hmm. And I went in thinking that, you know, it was going to be like, you know, I'm going to be this white knight that rides in and like, and, and we'll see what happens. And, and, and really what it's turned into is another ashram. Mm. It's, it's been amazing. Now, these are people who've been through a lot, right? And all that conditioning that I talked about, they've like, you know, we talked in, in, in our conversation, we talked about how like society can condition us. And, but it's also our parents or lack of parents or these guys in, in this, they just never had a chance. Like that's mm -hmm. the thing I see. Yeah. So when I started going, I really got an appreciation of that and how much I've learned from them. It's it's kind of a cliche to say, yeah, I learned from that, but it's it's really true. Like mm. the 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 physical layout of the space is that there's a faith and character dorm at this prison, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's not maximum security, it's kind of one level down. So there's 40 men in a really small, loud space where they're constantly bumping into each other physically, emotionally, spiritually. Mm. There's Christians and there's Buddhists and there's, you know, just like, you know, uh, I can't remember the name of the witch sort of. Uh, the, Wiccan. The, Wiccan, thank you yes. very much. There's Wiccans, <laughs> like, there's everything amongst these 40 men mm -hmm. and they have to learn how to work with that. And, you know, some of the spirituality that is taught to them is very hardcore. And it's like given to them as their job to change everybody's thinking. Yeah. And they have to maneuver that and they have to work with it. Mm -hmm. And I get to enjoy that. I get to go in and I do guided meditations with them. And then we just talk. And right. I, I found like how much stuff we carry from past generations you know our parents our grandparents like that that thing that is in different spirituality where there's like seven generations back and forward it's real like i yes. I've, I've experienced that like it's it's generational trauma that screws these guys up yeah and giving them a space to feel validated without like having to do something to earn it just like in who they are mm -hmm. so it's been life-changing. I, I like, I, I can't say like, here's, here's what I've learned. One of the things that I've learned, I think is most important to share is that we do this work, right? We, we meditate and we try to improve ourselves and we work on ourselves. Mm -hmm. When we get to a point, there's a, there's going to be a space in everybody's walk, everybody's journey to provide service, like real service, like not ego building service, like not for right. myself. It started out that way for me. Like there was a part of me that was like really yeah. into like, I'm the guy who goes to prison. Right. But it can be quickly replaced 
by just doing the right thing, by just helping people and giving people space to be validated. And mm-hmm. whether it's prison or just smiling at somebody on the subway or saying hello and you know letting somebody in your lane and traffic every day has thousands of opportunities for service. Mm. And that's the key thing that I've gotten from this is looking for opportunities to just make the world a little bit better, just with a yeah. little bit that's in front of us. Yes. So, so it's, it's been life-changing for me and I really love the space of teaching spirituality without like sticking it to a particular deity or religious right. faith, giving them all space to work with each other. And I recommend it. Wow. It's not coercive or controlling and, or moralistic. Like I'm sure a lot of those men, their whole lives have felt kind of, I don't know, like judged, you know, Oh my and, God. And measured. And, uh, you know, and obviously because they have a number attached behind how much time they're going to serve. And so there's this measurement of how much you, you made a mistake, like how big was the mistake? And we put a number behind it and they tend to kind of see themselves in that way. But when you can go in there and just kind of love them where they're at, I mean, that's tremendous. That's tremendously healing. You really nailed it right there. Thank you for saying that. Cause like, that's the thing I felt is that when I walk up to the gate, I can feel my heart change. Like literally the heart energy that I carry Mm -hmm. starts to change. And in carrying myself in that way, like I, I, God, what you said is just so true. Like at the end of the day, that's all I have to share, right? It's just a sense of, I don't, I never ask them what brought them in there. I never ask them how much time they have. I never ask them any of that. I just right. let them, let them work on that themselves, but to help them find validation in themselves and then to encourage them to mentor each other. Mm-hmm. Like I do mentoring with them. I go twice a week. I do three hours on Wednesday where I teach a class, um, an hour, three hour long classes on meditation and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturdays, I just go and do one-on-one mentoring. But the point of that is helping them to expand their own ability and their own ability to love and their own ability to set their own ego aside and their mm-hmm. own ability to set their preferences aside and really act in love. And, you know, as messed up as people can get with hardcore doctrine, there are examples in every spiritual tradition that say love is the most important thing. Corinthians goes into it huge, Mm -hmm. just opening that heart space. And, and that that's a common language that just doesn't, can't be muted. Yeah. I think it changes lives, doesn't it? I mean, it really does to, to feel like you're worthy of worthy as a human being, you have, you have worth, you have value, you know, that's, that's life-changing. Cause a lot of these people that a lot of us, a lot of us that end up in tough situations, whether we're imprisoned or whether we uh, have personal difficulties or health difficulties, there's a, there's a devaluing of ourselves somewhere in there and have someone come alongside you and just say, you know, I love you right where you're at. Yeah. Where you're at, right. You know, it's not, you know, all of you. Well, that's what namaste means, right? The, this, the part of me deep inside sees that part of you that's deep inside you that sees past the bullshit. Right. And just goes right. And you said something like some people, everybody, April, everybody has that. I, I literally, you know, I do work with a lot of different kinds of people and 
I, some of the people that I work with are incredibly affluent and been incredibly successful. And I swear, like when you ask them to rate their life satisfaction, happiness with themselves, they can have kids at the best colleges and have, even have a great relationship, a great spouse and mm -hmm. their self-satisfaction. Like one person I talked to is incredibly successful, had all that stuff. And he kind of rated his, his self-satisfaction at like five out of 10. Mm. And I'll literally go to prison and get like sevens and eights. <laughs> you know? right. So it's like, everybody's feeling that, you know? So that's why I say like, yeah. we have a chance to go out and just share love. And it is as simple as smiling. It's as simple as shaking a hand. Yeah. Adding somebody in the back, being patient with somebody who's taking too long in the grocery line, just whatever. Right. Let somebody else have their moment in front of you. And the powerful thing about that is that like literally will pry your heart open. Like just like that act will help you to perceive yourself in a different way. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You see, wow, I'm, I actually do have some love in here. I can actually help other people just through simple stuff. And that's a seed. Like trauma is a seed. It's a samskara, right? It's a seed mm -hmm. that grows and it takes on weight as we don't want to deal with it. And it becomes infested or festers and it grows. But love and beauty are also the same characteristics. So if you encourage those things to grow consciously with awareness, it's amazing. Like, it, I swear, it just like it does more good for the doer than it does for the recipient. And yeah. just love, just love, just like you said, just, just, just love. People can see it in your eyes. You know, it's like you don't have to say anything. You don't have to preach anything. You don't have to tell anybody to do anything. Just love them and and they'll tap into that space inside their own heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about them agreeing with you or disagreeing with you. It's not about, you know, what they align themselves with or don't align themselves with. I mean, we can all, we can all love one another that way. Or we just, you know, I just love you because you're a human being. Because you're here, you know, and yeah. you're worthy of it. You know, well, and, and actually there's a lot of space for growth there because mm -hmm. you know, like, so I could say, could you love Republicans? Could you love Democrats? Could you love people who do terrible things? Could you love, mm. and we're taught to love everybody. Now, you know, we have a Dharma, a responsibility to protect ourselves and take sure. care of ourselves and, yeah, you know, be where, be able to support ourselves. There's a lot of, but there's space for both, you know, right. we're not, we're not as vulnerable as we think we are once we get really when we identify with the deepest part of ourselves with consciousness mm -hmm. and beauty it's almost like we're bulletproof like nothing can mess us up because you're in alignment right like you know your what's true for you what's There's nothing to take away from you no because you <laughs> you're not threat you're not threatened and therefore you're not afraid and i you know i think that's that's a lot of what you're saying is like this getting down to who you really are deep on the inside gives you intuition, like an inner knowing of what's correct for you. And then you have, you have naturally have boundaries, but boundaries are a swinging door. They're not a wall. Right. Yeah. So I, sh you know, I'm not going to allow this because I love myself, but I can still love you and not, not allow this. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes practice. Like, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's fine for us to sit here and say, like, this is all beautiful and everything, but it just takes effort, you know? And, and yeah. that's the thing. Like, if we go back to what you said about community, a community is a mechanism. It's a structure for doing the work that gets you to that point. Right. 
And even if you don't have community, you can find it. You know, when you're ready, the guru will find you, as they say. And I find right. that works across spiritual traditions. But if you really desire to find peace and a sense of deep satisfaction, there is there is a, an energy out there that will take care of you. Mm-hmm. There is a force, call it whatever name you want, but let it happen to you and and find a sangha, find a group, find a, a congregation. Yes. There's people to love out there and people who will love you. And it just takes practice. And I just like to reinforce that. That's a very encouraging message because I think, you know, there is just so much separation in our society and, you know, we do tend to kind of go off on our own when we don't feel safe. And I know I do, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard if you've been burned or hurt, you know, but I think when you recognize what is for you and what is not for you, then you're right. The community will come to you. It'll start to form, you know, it changes you know, this, this work that we're talking about changes our attitude about what it is to even be hurt. You know, mm-hmm. this, is, this is my favorite reference point. I have this like sitting right by that, my desk, you know, oh, yeah. prophet. Yes. Oh yes. Yes. Wonderful. So he ta- talks about love in there and how the nature of love is that it will break your heart mm-hmm. and that to try to experience love without being willing to risk the pain of love. He calls it the threshing room floor is the uh, metaphor that he uses in his poetry. Mm-hmm. It's that willingness to put yourself out there. Like, you know, I I've experienced this myself where my heart has been through incredible moments of pain and breaking. Yeah. And it, when we really surrender and and not act to defend ourselves and we open, our heart is broken open. It becomes a place where all that pain cleanses the heart and makes us able to love in a really deep way without selfish need, without trans, not transactional love, mm-hmm. but pure unconditional love, which is mm-hmm. the real power. Mm. Yes, that's it. That's it. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. And it's a journey. It's not something we do perfectly right away. You know, it's, you're going to make mistakes and that's okay too. That's how we learn. You know, I always think of the earth as just one big school. I mean, if you end up here, you signed up for the advanced course. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It's really something. So, um, so you work individual with individuals as well. Yeah. Yes. I do coaching. Um, okay. I've been doing, I, you know, my, I've been one of the amazing and beautiful things about the temple here in Alachua. It's a tiny place, but since Mickey's books have done so, we have really incredible people come from all over the world. I mean, literally last night in our sangha, there was people from um, Australia. Um, mm-hmm. Last week we had people from Austria. There's people from California. And it's, it's like a room with a hundred people in it packed, you know, shoulder right. to shoulder. Yeah. But, um, but really amazing people. And as I've gotten to know people over the 30 years, they've encouraged me to do coaching as I have kind of done that ad hoc, you know, like we leave the temple, we go for a walk. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I do coaching. My, my website is timodavis.com and, okay. and you can sign up for coaching there. I am, I've got some classes too on the untethered soul, which oh. I am starting okay. and that there's information about that on, on my website. And 
the the nature of the classes is is that we create a cohort and we read the sections there are five essential sections to the untethered soul and they they each section really beautifully encompasses a major you know piece of of the spiritual path and it creates a framework for growth and we'll do a reading together i have a workbook which has some exercises around it that'll kind of help expand certain ideas that are in there but then we do an hour long cohort zoom call where we just do give and take about the class and you know i've been listening to my beloved michael a singer for 30 years now so i have my own version it's definitely my version of, mm -hmm. of how to answer questions and how to work with it but there's in that in that transfer from taking my knowledge to experience mm -hmm. a group like this can really help and it creates a sense of community to have a group like this and um that's what I'm trying to create. And I've got a little website with a message board and some other further teachings so that people can find and build community in there too. So I'm, okay. I'm starting all that out, which is really exciting for me. It is. I, um, I am not the kind of person who ever imagined that I would do this. I, I really like in the 30 years that I've been here, my anticipation was that I would get quieter and quieter and recede into the woodwork and just like <laughs> meditate but somehow the work in the prison and work with people, mm. there's an energy behind that that seems to be pulling me along. So I'm just doing my best to serve until it's not what I'm supposed to do anymore. I love it. I love it. I love um, your humility. I love your the you have this teachability about you, like you're learning all the time. And uh, from everyone you encounter, I think it's, it. I'm very excited about your work. So I want to make sure we we tell everybody about it. So your website, you've got a website. Are there any other links that you would like to share? Well, timodavis.com is okay. you know that. And that um pretty much gets sign up. Yeah, you can sign up for my meditation there too. So I do guided meditations every Tuesday morning. Okay. And those are I think the value of those, at least the value that I'm trying to, you know, create is that for many people, it is difficult to meditate and having a voice kind of guide you can show you the benefit of what it's like to get into that quiet space. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess it's, I'm trying to make it worth the effort <laughs> so that yeah. when you sit down on your own cushion, that you see what you're going for and willing to kind of put that effort in to get there. You know, one of the things that like, you talked about, like, you know, like being willing to learn, I, I look at like, there's a history of how we pass knowledge on that goes mm -hmm. back to like the Stoics, right? The ancient right. Greeks. And it's about people talking to each other and working with each other. And that we're all in this long chain. And it's not like there used to be Christ and there used to be Buddha and there used to be these, you know, saints and sages. Right. Everybody is sharing knowledge and technology has changed how we share that. And it feels to me like we're in more of sort of a community aspect online. And it's, there are fewer and fewer sort of like, how do I put this? Like, like we used to sort of look at the guru as somebody who sat at the head of the room and they were right. you know, fail proof and they, and that, like no spiritual teachers are without their flaws and their exactly. difficulties. So we're all in a, that's what I'm getting. We're all in a space of growing and helping each other grow. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I'm in a long progression of that. And I have so much to learn. Like I've seen what, 
I've seen people who are doing really well and I'd like to be one of those people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're doing it and you're, you know, you're changing lives just by simply being there, being available, being real, you know? Um, yeah. I think, I think we all have that inner guru inside us. And I think the yeah. the teachers that really bring that out, you know, they're really invested on you finding that space within you. And because you have, you have everything you need. Like we, we're not, you know, we're not missing any parts there. there, It's in there, you know? Yeah. And I look at your work and I see that's what you're doing and bravo, keep it up. I mean, that's a, it's wonderful. Um, So I'm going to definitely be including all of his links underneath. And you said real quick again, Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Eastern. Okay. So you can meet him there and do a guided meditation. And yeah. uh, I, I know you'll, I know you'll really enjoy it. So I'd like to throw one other link in there. Um, tou.org, tou.org. Okay. That's a temple of the universe's official website. Okay. And um, Mickey is Mickey Karen Entner, his assistant. They're posting his talks on there. So there's three talks a week and they're amazing. And, and, they're incredibly helpful. He's he's a gifted teacher, and I you know I just want to make sure everybody has a chance to tap into that because it's a it's a beautiful like the whole thing together. Like we we need lots of teachers, right? Yes. Eckhart Tolle is beautiful, and Ram Dass, and all these people. Um, yes. So there's the the diversity of all the different kinds of tr- teachers out there really needs to be expressed and tap into all that because it is at the end of the day, like you said, it's in our heart that really matters. We have to grow, mm-hmm. become self-sustaining, find our own connection with God and be able to need only ourselves yes. so that we can share more beautifully. With with one another. Yeah. So it all goes back to community. Well, yeah. thank you, Tim. This has been wonderful. And uh, I, I so enjoyed you coming on today and you are welcome anytime. Oh, and, you. Uh, you know, just congratulations. Keep doing what you're doing. It's just, it sounds wonderful. So thanks again. I appreciate you coming. My pleasure, April. Thank you so much. And thank you for the good work that you're doing. Keep helping people. Thank you. Thank you very much. Namaste. Namaste.